Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Floor 9. I am your host, Scott Elcherson, and with me, as always, is Angel Mendoza. Hello, world. And back-to-back episodes, Mr. Benjamin Holm. What's going on? Going after Cal Ripken's record. Yeah. <laughs> Starts with two. It's uh, it's Ben, we're excited to have you back on this week's episode. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Well, just to give everybody a little background on the lab and what we do, we are a specialized group dedicated to media futures working across the lovely IPG Media Brands Network. For over a decade, we've been evaluating new technology, identifying how it changes consumer behavior and media consumption, and providing our clients with actionable insights to help navigate the ever-evolving media landscape. Again, welcome to our podcast. Welcome to Floor 9. So I would say, uh, Ben, glad to have you back. What are we going to be talking about this week? Well, Scott, I think this week we're going to talk about camera as an input and what that means for brands. Ooh, I like this one. Uh, This is actually an extension uh, on our previous podcast, uh, Advanced Interfaces. This is one of the trends that has been extended uh, a little deeper, and we'll kind of get right into it. So uh, with that, Ben, are you ready in under 60 seconds this time, hopefully, to give us a brief definition or overview of what camera as an input is? Scott, I think I can give it to you in 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Ooh, a challenge has been set. <laughs> wow. Well. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's bold. That is bold. Let's do it. All right, you ready? In three, two, one, go. Essentially, camera as an input means there's a software layer that we're now using so that computers are able to see as easily as they have traditionally been able to understand text. So everyone knows we're able to speak to computers, we're able to input with text, but now we can actually show them images and video, and that's powering really exciting types of experiences that we're going to talk about today. He did it. That was amazing. Wow. 27 seconds. Egg on my face. Boom. Well, well done. So just to kind of give a brief background on how we really got here, and I would say the power of the smartphone and this actual camera that is with it, um, let's kind of dig into the history of this trend, camera as an input. So, you know, back in 2000, the year 2000, you know, 17 years ago, there were about 40 million cameras in play across, you know, anything from like your classic DSLR to your point and shoot. And now today, or excuse me, this the, the most recent stat is uh, 2015, we roughly have about 1.3 billion, which is a pretty uh, substantial growth of cameras in the market. Well, let me ask you this. Is it because it's getting cheaper or is it the software that's getting better? Well, I think it's I think it's both. You know, it's there's cameras have been or now like this, this is the whole process that I think even Ben spoke to last week was the smart the uh, smartphones. You know, com- component pieces are just less expensive. Uh, it's easier to produce them, and you know, it's this camera on these smartphones is probably the best quality camera most individuals are ever going to own in their life because they don't yeah. need anything else. Secret answer number three: It's both. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's cheap to make. Now it's you can find it on a phone and software layer that makes it really exciting for consumers to purchase. Perfect example is the iPhone 8 and the iPhone 10 with the new filter or portrait mode. Right. 
And I think, you know, of course we had the like like the uh, rear facing cameras then there was introduction of, of the forward facing cameras on the smartphone and that really came to give us the most exciting i think culture phenomenon we've ever seen is uh the rise of selfie culture <laughs> <laughs> well we all know that it's the most exciting thing that you've ever seen that, that's Scott. yes that's true <laughs> so there's a selfie here do you selfie I do ben? not selfie, but Scott, oh, Scott, on the reg. this would be a good <laughs> opportunity for you to pitch your Snapchat handle. Yes. Uh, follow me. It's at Scotty Elch. Uh, I need more followers. No, t- the, the good one, the actual account. No, I only have, I don't have one for that yet. Uh, yeah, that's only Instagram. We'll get to that later in the okay. show. Scott's going for that blue check mark. Yes. I need to be verified. <laughs> He's a pseudo celebrity in some parts. In some parts of the world but not quite where I need to be at for a social influencer status. But is, is that part of the world, his parents' living room? <laughs> <laughs> and kitchen. <laughs> not anymore. You guys know I moved out. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> moving on. So it's exciting with the rise of selfie culture. You know, there's really exciting stats around it. And my most exciting thing is our uh, strategist in the lab here, Richard, he really found this really exciting graph and we'll paint you, a, you know, an audio picture of it. Uh, it's the most frequent causes of sel- selfie fatalities. And is exciting the right word? Yeah. Well, it's interesting, I guess. Intriguing. Intriguing, yeah. <laughs> a solid piece of, you know, a nugget of information. Um, there have been crazy selfie recordings, you know, falling from heights, drowning, train, but then there's also a grenade on here. So I'm not sure how that happened or if it got recorded or what, but, um, you know, it's, it, there's this thing in our lives now where wherever you go, whether it be restaurants, movie theaters, baseball games, there's a pretty famous photo about that. Uh, all mm-hmm. the girls is taking photos of them being at the game. Uh, it's, there's this huge phenomenon of taking selfies, and this has all been you know enabled by this forward-facing camera that we have on our smartphones. Of course. Right. Death, death by animal. That's how many, <laughs> how many were there? One. 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 <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's really people are no longer – or people are – starting to take pictures of themselves at an event more than pictures mm-hmm. of the event themselves in order to prove that they were there. Right. And that's the culture that we that you were yeah, talking about. Exactly. And it's, you think that's one of the reasons why people actually go to events now? So, for example, yes. baseball. I love baseball. Love, love baseball. However, it's an investment. Three-hour game. You have to get there an hour before the game begins to get your seat. And then leaving such a pain in the ass. So mm-hmm. it's easier for me to watch it from a bar or my couch but because of the selfie culture, am I now going to go with my friends in order to just have that image mm-hmm. and have that image live forever on an Instagram or Facebook? That is what we call social currency, and that's a whole other conversation Ooh. to have. Mm-hmm. But yes, that's definitely part of the reason why people go to events is now, I would say, is just to say that they were there. Well, and the yeah, and not only events, but you know, we talk a lot about the death of retail. Mm-hmm. brick and mortar locations you know why would anyone leave their house when they can get everything that they need delivered yeah a lot of brands and and uh, retailers that have an owned fo- footprint are creating more experiential locations things that are snappable yep. so to speak um you know the, there's a sono store in soho that's you know it has Huge art installations right in the front of the store. It has little uh, rooms where you can test all their products that are created to look like the different rooms in your house. 
I mean, it's, it's all about the experience and it's, it's yeah. about being there even, even in a retail location. Yeah. Right. And to bring it back to the sports um, section, it's funny that Scott, we've spoken to companies that are trying to bring that high end camera in stadium. So you can easily right. take a selfie during the highest point of excitement during the game. So Brizzy, for example, right. and 15 seconds of fame who partnered with the Patriots and I think some of other football teams to have those high-end cameras. How dare you mention that team on this podcast? <laughs> I know. A sacred space, Angel. <laughs> Sunday, baby. Ugh. But yeah, it's a good point because not only do people want to take selfies, but they also, deep down, don't want to be missing out on the action. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we talked about it last week in the advanced interfaces session, the Google Clips Mm -hmm. uh, the standalone product that uses artificial intelligence, a software layer that is able to understand yeah. what it sees, the people, places, and things that you care about so that it can take a picture automatically. You yeah. bring an interesting point. So how do you guys personally feel like if a brand sponsors that? So as you share this image at the most exciting time during a game, but you have that brand overlay with brand creative, how do you feel about that? Depends. I shared something at Comic-Con. It was a picture was taken and there's an Audible logo on top of it. And I was like, well, that's fine because I got a free audiobook. So I was like, I was worth it. Okay. I think it depends on the event. In some cases, it might be a little distracting. Yeah. You might take the picture, screenshot it, and crop out the logo. Yeah. <laughs> but in other cases, it could add some credibility yeah. if you're at an event and it's sponsored by a luxury brand it might make it seem like a much more high-end experience that you are a part of right with the right uh branding or logo yeah, yeah. you know what and my last point here before okay. moving on an interesting thing that we didn't think about is ease of use or ease of sharing so the reason why i believe that users on snapchat use these branded filters so often is that it's very easy to put it like turn it on Whereas use in stadiums, having the brand creative overlay and sharing it's such a clunky experience. Like that was just like, oh, come on. So if they find a way to make it very easy to do that filter or do that overlay and share it instantly, might give a consumer like, oh, you know what? I like it. Like a better experience. Mm -hmm. That's right. just my point of view though. Yeah, no, I mean very very low friction, which is always, you know, a good thing to have, especially with uh, you know, a, a selfie you're taking, it's very, very good uh, ease of use. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, kind of going, you know, back to this trend of camera as input, you know, what this really means is that we have, as brands, we have a, a new way to collect data and a lot of data that's coming through, you know, this forward and rear facing camera. And, you know, what is that going to allow us to do? What is this new, you know, smartphone and camera combination uh, allowing us as marketers, you know, and brands to really like leverage moving moving forward. And I think one of the biggest things that this potential unlocks, or excuse me, the smartphone camera potential is visual visual search. This idea that we're not going to be able to, like to actually look for products rather than having to Google them or use it like your classic text based you know search engines will be able to kind of snap a photo of a product and see results be populated just based off that imagery. Yep. Yep. Again, it's using images or your surroundings, um, and you know, using your camera to ingest information that gives you relevant information. So would you like me to 
give an example? Give me an example. So I'd love to hear one. During the Google I.O. Uh, developers Conference, Google announced yet-to-be-released <laughs> Google Lens feature. And one of the demos that they showed on stage was being able to use Google Lens um, on your mobile device, holding it up to a marquee outside of a theater. The camera is able to read the name of the band that's playing at the theater. It understands your position because it's ingesting this information on a mobile device, which knows where you are, and return relevant information about that specific band, the venue, so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, offering information about the band, songs by the band, ability to purchase tickets from the venue at the show, that kind of information. Right. All immediately just by holding up your phone, yeah, holding up then, your camera. And then hopefully soon enough, we'll also see uh, instant translation. So, you know, it'll be, you know, different languages. Yeah. And that, I think that, that'll be fantastic for the international travelers out there. One of my favorite examples that they showed, which is super simple. No one likes having to go over to your friend's house and dig up the Wi-Fi router that's usually <laughs> hidden <laughs> underneath a desk or behind a TV or something and then write down the information or take a picture and put it in later. Instead, what you're able to do is, I guess, once you've found that Wi-Fi router, you just hold up the camera. It's able to automatically read the SSID and password and immediately hook that device up to the Wi-Fi. That's fantastic. But, I mean, then there, so like that's, like, that's Google's uh, yet to be like like a launched product, which we're all very excited about. But today in the market, you know, uh, Pinterest, ha- Pinterest has, excuse me, has really kind of been the un like the dark horse uh, leader in the space they release pinterest lenses and you are now able to snap or photos of you know you know food or products and surface relevant content in pinterest uh to what you're looking for so it's a you know fantastic way to now look for new products across the pinterest pl- platform and i think they even added the option so there's the pinterest buy button so you can now search for a product and then buy it right from the Pinterest platform, which is which is pretty exciting. And notably, Pinterest, which is an ad-supported platform, this is this has the potential to be some a way for brands to be discovered in a new way. Right. Have you heard of any brands taking advantage of that? So, for example, what's the most searched or visual searched object, and then spon- and then sponsoring it? For example, if it's shoes, making sure that might not be the exact sneaker but something similar from xyz brand right yeah you just surf, surface like that well, has content. somebody has somebody done it I, I don't know if they've done that but i know neiman marcus they are actually using visual search in their app today so you can take photos of different you know handbags shoes pants jackets whatever you desire and they surface relevant styles from their own catalog so it's like you know if you're walking down the street it's like oh you know like that girl's got a cute pair of shoes on you know click and then neiman marcus will send you it's like well we don't have that but these are the ones we have that are similar to that or like you know were you with me on saturday because that's exactly what i said (laughs) (laughs) no it's funny they're using a company called slice dot it to power that who's been doing visual search for quite some time now i think they started 2012 2013 so it's it's really interesting how ahead of the curve they were and they were they started off just indexing images mm-hmm. right so they were able to build that database yep when i last spoke to him it was 80 percent automated 20 percent manual and then they acquired a company called pouch i believe to enable that shipping that commerce and shipping um, aspect of their platform 
That's awesome. Those guys are ahead of the curve. So brands, if you're out there listening to this, you know, start thinking about how visual search, how you can leverage that as you know, whether it be on the Pinterest platform or what, you know, at, at a broader scale, what this uh, new search platform can really mean for you and your brand. And also, I mean, you need to think about as people start to use visual search as a way to discover the products, places, and, you know, events, everything around them. We need to make sure that our logos and our products at a minimum are indexed and recognizable so that when someone does use visual search to try and figure out more information about, you know, your brand, it actually shows up with relevant information, similar to making sure that you're one of the top 10 blue links on Google. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. that's, that's where this is going. Right. That's the, the potential here. So th- th- that's yeah. a good place to start. Yeah, I think that was, that was fantastic. And then um, kind of shifting again, so another exciting uh, area that this whole mobile phone camera input is powering uh, are, and I think it's probably like, like, like the most hot topic or like, like the hottest topic we have out there today is mobile AR and what that is going to like kind of what, what that whole environment is like. So I would say the two frameworks that we've seen, uh, Apple released AR Kit and then Google promptly followed up uh, with releasing AR Core, so just for like the general public and everybody listening to this podcast, uh, they are pretty much equally matched. Uh, AR Kit has some advantages when it comes to tracking, uh, and that is you know, like that is just like referring to the phone understanding where it is in 3D space. And AR Core is better equipped for mapping a person's surrounding as well as has more reliable uh, tracking recovery just in case it were to lose its, itself in that 3D space. However, that the uh, where it really, I would say where these platforms really differ are on the very technical level. So if you're a developer, that's where you can kind of choose and pick and choose what um, platform makes the most sense for you. However, from a brand marketing perspective, uh, AR kit that is out today that has a a reach of about 500 million phones. It's on it's like the 6s up to the iPhone 10, whereas I, b- I believe Google AR Core has about a reach of 100 million, and it's not even it, it only includes the S8 and the new and and the pixels, and it just it's going to take many many months for it to be uh, I would see uh, d- like distributed out to all the other Android devices. So it has like a lot of catching up to do. So Apple has it really has an advantage right out the gate. Yeah. So AR kit shipped with iOS 11 for devices, iPhone 6S and newer. Right. Mm. Correct. And then, so that's exciting because now we have this like native platform to really, you know, develop on. But then of course we have uh, Snapchat and what they're doing with the world lenses and what they've released with Bitmoji. And most recently, They've worked with Jeff Koons on a like location-based uh, AR ex- like art experience. So now there are these massive three-story tall uh, balloons, like artwork, all across the world. Uh, Facebook AR Studios uh, that is still in development. We ha- we're, I, we're we are assuming that the production is being delayed for whatever reason. We're not one hundred percent sure, but you know when it finally comes out, it, it'll have a you know. I think it's 1.3 billion people like audience reach. So that's a pretty exciting platform to kind of get prepared for knowing that the reach is so high. And I mean, Ben, it seems like you got, you got got some ideas churning back there. Yeah. I mean, Facebook announced their AR studio during their F8 conference back in the summer. And they said that it was going to be ready for a Q4 
Q3, Q4 launch, and we're still waiting. And, and you had mentioned that we don't know why we're still waiting. But again, like Pinterest, Facebook is an ad-supported platform. And so the theory is that they are trying to, you know, model it so that there's some form of attribution on the back end that they can monetize it for brands. Um, and that's potentially what is what is delaying it. That is the operating theory. It yeah. makes it makes sense. They're 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 pretty business focused. They got a really solid uh, you know, development team out there. So I believe it. I you have my support, Ben. <laughs> Thank you. That's I all I want. <laughs> well if they're doing the op- object recognition, it's the indexing the search piece that's also tough so our earlier or my earlier example a specific bottle of wine right. now you have to in the back end find the retailer nearest that person that actually carries it if you're going to purchase it or pull reviews from a yelp so i think that's also has a lot to do with it um, but i'm curious to see how that how people use that versus a google lens or pinterest lens or the types of people like who are these people actually using this what, what's the demo- demographic i mean <laughs> we'll see mobile ar kind of had its big moment last year it's coming out party with pokemon go and it seemed like everyone was using it right it's not really ar though no it's a it's very poor ar but it, it leveraged an intellectual property that people cared about and it got the idea of their this there being a digital layer that could be overlaid on top of your physical surroundings into the palm of the hands of people who otherwise wouldn't have given another thought to it. Uh, I think one of the the most exciting apps that we saw from a brand already that got released with uh, iOS 11, uh, Ikea and their Places app. I love this app. I'm actually using it now in my own apartment to place furniture literally everywhere, especially tables. I'm, I'm in the market. And it works extremely well. I actually posted a photo to Instagram and people were excited that I had bought a table, but then I had to do a PSA announcement because people I thought I had bought a table, but it was a AR virtual table that they were congratulating me on. So you know, it that, never existed. That kind of deceit is not going to earn you that blue check mark. <laughs> yeah. Doing it for the Insta. Right. But it's, it's, it's exciting to see where all this is kind of trending, and especially looking at it from this brand angle. So when it comes to AR, you know, what does this mean for brands? How can they leverage this? Visual search, what does this mean for brands? How can leverage that as well? And I think one of the most exciting things also that we've seen is what Quartz is doing. Uh, they're now going to be inserting 3D objects into their news stories. Already have. Or it's already live. And I think what that really means is that, okay, well, then what's that? ad product like 3d ad product for brands going to look like so one thing brands can start doing today to kind of get ahead of the curve is developing 3d assets um you know it's a way that you'll be able to kind of test out the space of ar and kind of figure out where you know where you as a brand really you know find the most value in this new medium again uh, you know today it's still very new there's not a lot of scale behind it when it comes to actual apps that we can integrate with and work with I think the most exciting one is Facebook uh, or Snapchat, but Snapchat's always very closed off and Facebook, again, hasn't launched yet. But I think brands need to be thinking about developing these 3D objects, these 3D assets, uh, not only to have these developers just play around with them, but it'll help them again with from a, a PR push and it can really just help them learn their, their place in this new AR space, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, it's a totally new platform, and there, and we're gonna start to see a lot of use cases come out that are 
totally awesome and brands could potentially own some of those. I mean, some of the prototype demos that we saw were amazing. There was one where someone held up their phone to locate a friend at a music festival, a place where there are no hard landmarks, you know, no landmarks that are stuck in any one place. You, there's, it's a sea of people. And so what they did is they held up their phone. They were able to see a big purple arrow pointed straight down at their friend and they were able to locate their friend immediately. I mean, that's the kind of thing that is incredible. And so you think about from a brand perspective, maybe it's as simple as being able to hold up your phone and see a big arrow on the street to direct you to the front door of the Apple store or whatever it is. You know, there's a lot of interesting ways that we can overlay useful information that can help drive purchase, conversion, whatever it may be. Right. And I think kind of going also like looking at beauty brands, the idea of a digital try on yep. that's now table stakes. Mm-hmm. I think every, every beauty brand needs to have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are very, very used to not only putting lenses on, but now trying on makeups. That's something that just table it's, stakes now. It's crazy how good Mati Face became. Like they're powering almost all these apps. Mm-hmm. And yep. now they're doing hair, which is technically really hard to do. Incredibly hard. Yeah. Incredibly you hard. You want to give a little background on Mati Face? Yeah. At a very high level, they've been doing this for years, mapping out a face and doing AR overlays. I started with the L'Oreal app. I forget what's it called off the top of my head, but now they slowly just um, got into hair and being able to change hair color. So it's Which really is incredible from a developer standpoint because being able to understand where eyes, nose, and mouth are is mm-hmm. one thing, and that's you know no insignificant feat in and of itself. But if you think about all the different variations of hairstyles and colors that the computer has to recognize in order to power an experience that actually seems lifelike Mm -hmm. and will give the user an accurate representation of what the product is going to do for them. That's incredible. Well, yeah. Imagine planning out your haircut before you even go to the barber. That experience starts before (laughs) walking into the actual. I would love that. Yeah. I, every single time I, Every single time I go to the barber, I have to describe in such great detail exactly what needs to be done. I wish I could you just say just the usual. Yeah. <laughs> I bring a picture with me. I'm like, I'm, make me look like Brad Pitt and Fury. And all right, just <laughs> 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 cut it. It's super easy. Of course, I never, you know, I always go back to the same style afterwards. I mean, but in, in the moment, they, it looks they cool. nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. Oh, you guys in your hair. <laughs> yeah, right. Look who's talking. <laughs> But then I think this, and to finally kind of close it out, again, visual search, very exciting to see how this new way to collect data and information and then kind of index it and, again, put your, if you're a brand, your information at the top of the list. Uh, it'll be exciting to see how this really rolls out between Google Lens and we've already seen it with Pinterest. But it's, I mean, I'm excited for it. Picture says a thousand words and now I don't have to type a thousand words into Google anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So audience question, I actually came up with one during this podcast. It's a two-part question. It's for you guys and then the audience because I'm curious to hear their point of view. And I'm asking two guys who are not single, so it's even better. Okay. (laughs) Which dating app would be the first to incorporate mobile AR? And the second part is what brand's going to jump on that opportunity to sponsor? Um, You know, there are already uh, these glasses that are – 
because obviously there's privacy concerns that that are um, going to have to be addressed. And there are already classes marketed in Japan that have a specific, I, I want to say it's like a code or something mm-hmm. that, can, so that specifically confuses this software layer of a camera so that you can remain anonymous oh when, uh, yeah, so that people don't see your information. But yeah, I mean, dating apps could be the first of, you know, the first use case that kind of breaks open the door to this kind of black mirror. Yeah. Well, you see it now with Tinder, <laughs> Dystopian. people just sit and swipe, swipe, swipe. So now people sit and just people watch, but being able to connect with their dating profile in the real world. Oh, so not I single. think not single, single. <laughs> <laughs> he just turned it around to a selfie camera for the record. Yeah. For those of you listening. hundred percent match. No, I'm curious. I want to know so the ma- audience's point of view, like who, who's going to be the first, first um, app to take advantage, dating app and then the brand. what brand. So Mrs. Hone, if you're listening, uh, this is strictly theoretical. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> this whole conversation. Well, listeners, that that is a question. Let us know your thoughts on which dating app and which brand will be the first to leverage AR. Again, if you're looking for more awesome content by the lab, you can check out our Medium website or you can hit up Twitter and Instagram at IPG Lab. And last but not least, if you like this podcast, spread it around, tell your friends, give us some iTunes ratings. Uh, ratings, excuse me. Uh, we love to hear you know any thoughts. So you can reach us at Angel at IPG Lab, Ben at IPG Lab, or Scott dot E L C H I S O N at IPG Lab. Thank you. We'll see you next week. <laughs>